Spring is officially here, and with the change of the seasons comes the opportunity to get back out in the garden and bring that garden back to life. I'm Bob Salzberg, and today on Noon Edition, our local gardening experts are back and ready to answer your spring gardening questions. Whether you have a green thumb or the touch of death when it comes to gardening, Don Adamson and Helen May will answer your questions and give advice on how to keep your plants vibrant and healthy. We invite you to join the conversation and ask your questions after this hour's news. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net. And from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined, addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times. I have to say it was snowing when I walked into the studio today, but despite that, the temperatures are going to start rising here in southern Indiana. That means it's time to get back to the garden and bring those plants back to life. And today is Noon Edition's annual spring gardening show. So we have uh, local gardening experts back with us. We feel like there are gar gardening correspondents. Helen May is retired from Gr May's Greenhouse and Don Adamson. I'm going to call Don semi-retired from Bloomington Valley Nursery. Uh, if you want to give us a call and talk about gardening today, you can call us at 855. Uh, that's 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat at WFI org slash noon edition and you can follow us on twitter at noon edition i'm flying solo today mary Catherine's not here but this is one of her favorite shows so i half expect her to call in at some point during the show she always has lots and lots of questions helen and don thanks for being back it's always a pleasure we're glad to be back it's, right. it's fun we always like we, we always like having you here so i want to remind our listeners uh if you haven't heard the sh this particular show we do a spring and fall gardening two gardening shows um people like to call in so it's good if you can call in early because near the end of the show we sometimes don't have time for everybody so if you have questions give us a call uh we've i'm going to start out with some questions that we've already received from twitter um here is the first one it says is only telling your garden every two or three years more beneficial than doing it every year and you know why or why not does it matter don it's uh that's kind of a wide-open question. I don't know if they're thinking vegetable garden or, or otherwise. Mm -hmm. I'll let Helen take it with a vegetable garden. Well, with a vegetable garden, it, it depends a bit. Um, some people till, till it's, there's no structure left in the soil. They get carried away, you know. Uh, my dad and we always tilled at once a year. And then uh, lightly to cultivate between rows, uh, we had a big garden and there was lots of room to mm -hmm. do that sort of thing. Um, if the soil, if you can sink a, a 
shovel or a trowel into the soil without too much trouble. Maybe you wouldn't have to do it every year. But it does need to be done occasionally. Uh, for one thing, to, it helps to discourage perennial weeds, and it also helps to discourage insect uh, forms that, that spend the winter in the soil. Uh, we had a gentleman here call two years in a row wanting to know what to do about wireworms. And only uh, cure I can find, short of some draconian ones, is to till the fall before so that the birds can catch those uh, larvae and clean them out for you, thin them out a little bit. Mm -hmm. So um, that's one reason to till is to turn up. Also, it'll help you to mix organic material in if your soil is heavy. Uh, it's uh, Tilling is the time to, to work uh, mulch or rotted mulch and peat and whatever you use, compost. But in. it's important also not to till uh, too early or while it's too moist because that'll that'll mess it all up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that'll oh. really rain the soil structure if you till while it's wet. Yeah. So Helen, I want to ask you. You were talking about how you, know, you had a big garden when you were growing up. I mean, mm-hmm. what all what all do you have? Did you eat strictly from your garden? Well, yeah. My mother always canned a hundred quarts of green beans and a hundred quarts of tomatoes. And as many beets as she could grow. Our, for some reason, we couldn't grow beets. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we ate all summer out of our garden. We didn't, uh, uh, frankly, in the winter, if we had a green bell pepper or something, it was uh, an occasion mm-hmm. because Daddy liked him. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we grew some potatoes, not a bunch, but lots of corn and, mm-hmm. and yeah. take some room. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. If you have uh, questions and comments for us on our annual gardening show, I want to give those numbers uh, early and often, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join a live chat at WFIU.org and WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. And as uh, we've been soliciting questions this week on Twitter and have gotten some already. So here's the, the second question from Twitter. What are the best plants to attract pollinators in southern Indiana? Oh, well, generally, uh, a lot of the pollinators are rather small. And they seem to like small blooms. Sweet alyssum is wonderful. Uh, dill. Uh, Queen Anne's lace, anything that has a cluster or, or a plentiful supply of small flowers that are available, you know, right through the summer, you might want to replant. They also <coughs> like uh, larger flowers. If you have some favorites you want to grow, uh, grow them near your vegetables because they will attract a certain amount. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, those smaller flowered things that have plentiful blooms uh, tend to, to draw a lot of the pollinators okay don anything to add to that no she's she's the one on this uh, all right this kind of flowers. we'll get something else later let's ask you about moles how about that what, well, that's the next question what can be done for moles in the yard we've never had them before this year well i haven't uh it seems like the past few years they have not been as bad as they were many many years ago but uh Using the soil insecticides are still the best way to uh, to take care of the moles. In other words, get rid of what they would be eating, mm-hmm. and uh, that's still the best way to go. Is use a soil insecticide. 
uh, on it to keep them from from having anything to eat. Right. Okay. Helen? And if it's a persistent problem or you don't want to use insecticides, about the only – there are hundreds of cures for moles, but yeah. most of them don't work. Right. Uh, oh. <laughs> it would be trapping Mm-hmm. And, and killing the molds, mm-hmm. and that will work for a season or so, and then some uh, others will move in, and you can start over. <laughs> it, it definitely helps to trap and get rid of what you can that way. Right. Okay. Uh, again, if you want to join the program, we're getting a lot of, a lot of uh, activity on Twitter, but if you want to give us a call, uh, that's okay, too, 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat can ask your questions there at wfiu.org slash noon edition. And as I said, you can follow us on Twitter. And uh, we just got uh, a new question on live chat, and I'm going to ask uh, ask that one. Sadly, most of my pot- potted hens and chicks did not survive the winter outdoors. Any tips about winter storage or growing them in general? Well, my sister's kind of interested in succulents. We live together. And... Uh, if she has them in pots, very often she'll set them on a porch or up against the house under the overhang uh, so that they don't uh, get too wet during the winter. But um, basically you need to get them where they don't get too much strong wind and so forth. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have them growing in the ground, they're probably going to be all right. Mine always are. I don't have any difficulty with hen and chicks at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't think of any sedums that I've had trouble with either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to tell from this question, but it said they didn't survive the winter outdoors, so we don't know if they were, if she right, if they had, were, if they were in, mm-hmm. you know, strawberry jars yeah. or something. Uh, mm-hmm. They're more susceptible to damage than if they're growing in the ground. Oh. But being too wet can also be a problem. Okay, well, let's go to the phones. We have a phone call from Sarah from Bloomington. Sarah. Hi. Uh, my question is about rhododendrons. Uh, we've had rhododendrons for years, and there used to be an enormous, enormous oak tree in the next door yard that gave us plenty of acid soil. Um, it it was cut down several years ago, and, and I know we need to feed these. Um, they had a hard time after last year's terribly hard winter, and a lot of you know growth just had to be cut off because it was really dead. Uh, now they're, what's left is a little bit leggy, and so my question is, one, about when to feed them with, with acid rhododendron food, and two, uh, what about cutting back the leggy parts? Uh, you need to go ahead and feed them, uh, well, w- wait till they're pretty well done flowering, actually. After they flower? Yeah. Huh. And uh, now you can give them some soil acidifier before that. But what happens if you feed them a regular fertilizer, that will make them push the flowers off quicker. So wait till they're pretty well done flowering and then feed them with a fertilizer. And also at that time, that's when you need to do any pruning. If they're leggy, you can actually do drastic pruning on rhododendron and they'll still flush out and and make a, a nice plant. So And bloom the next year? Yes, by doing it at that time. Again, that's, the timing is important for the trimming because if you go too late, then they will not bloom next year. But so if, right after they bloom? 
Right, right. Right after they bloom is the time you want to go in and do any pruning. And you can do drastic pruning even at that time. Mm -hmm. But do it then so that they can put on the growth and set their buds for next year. And the acid, so you make a distinction between fertilizer and acidifier. And the acidifier we could do now? Right. You can do the, the acidifier because that does not make them grow. Okay. The main thing, you do not want to give them a fertilizer that will make them grow at this time because what happens is they will push the flowers off quickly uh-huh. because they want to grow. Thank you. So uh, the acidifier, you know, the iron sulfate or aluminum sulfate, one of those, I would go ahead and put, put that down now so that uh, because that will, that will help them develop. But like I say, any of the fertilizer with uh, the regular nutrients, you need to wait till they finish their flower. Thank you very much. All right, Sarah. Thanks a lot. Uh, again, if you want to give us a call at one eight or 812-855-0811 in Bloomington, one 285 outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition, as, Sarah, or as uh, a questioner just did. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. And here's our most recent Twitter question. Thoughts on greenhouse gardening? I live in an apartment and both porches are shady. Well, of course, the amount of light is going to have a big effect on what you can grow. Um, If you have a regular greenhouse, glass walls and ceiling, uh, you can grow a lot more than if it's just a glassed-in, you know, porch with a regular ceiling. Um, Or if you're coming in through windows, that cuts down again quite a bit on the varieties you can grow. But... um, the main thing is you need to provide a um, atmosphere, a temperature that it will suit the plants that you choose to grow. Uh, you need to water enough, but not to drown things. A lot of people just put way too much water on things. On most plants, the surface of the soil should feel dry between before you water again. Um, However, you need to keep the humidity fairly high. So uh, you may want to use some pebble trays to set some of your plants on or something of that nature that you can let a little water stand in. Um, The main thing is to be consistent in your attention because you may have to open up on hot days to ventilate. Uh, There may be nights when it is so cold that you will have to provide like a, a little heater. It depends on how big your porch is, um, you can just get a simple little electric heater and plug it in and set it in the greenhouse on really cold nights. But that's a a very temporary thing. Uh, If you're going to keep tropicals on on a porch year-round on a greenhouse, then you're going to have to have a reliable source of heat and a reliable source of ventilation that's automated because if you're busy and away from the house, they can cook or freeze while you're gone, you know. Now, as for the kinds of plants, most foliage plants are pretty easy to grow uh, if it's somewhat shaded. Not all, but most. Um, you, you might, if it is uh, not too shady, uh, you might be able to grow orchids. Again, ventilation is very important there. Uh, certainly, if it's a, a kind of a cool greenhouse, uh, you could grow things like begonias and geraniums and uh, uh, almost any 
of the small bedding things that you wanted to. Uh, gardenias require pretty good light, uh, but not too great a heat. And, um, well, I don't know, there are hundreds of things, really. Uh, but you will have to also be willing to watch for insect problems. And your best bet there is to always to inspect any new plant you buy very carefully before you bring it in. And then look your other your plants over every so often just hunting for problems because uh, if insects get a good start, it's kind of difficult to clean them up sometimes. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's answered the question adequately I, or not. Well, if not, she, this person can send us another note. Yes, or go down to the greenhouse and talk to Sheila. She runs the foliage house, or the you know the houseplant house right. at uh, down at May's greenhouse. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, again, you're listening to our annual spring gardening show. That was Helen May that you were just hearing from. Helen is retired from May's greenhouse, and Don Adamson is here. He's uh, we'll call it semi-retired from Bloomington Valley Nursery, and they're here to answer all your questions today, and you can reach them by calling us at 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348, or you can join a live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition, or you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. We have another question from Twitter. Um, I have uh, a lot of shade around my garden. What are some plants or vegetables I can grow? Don, you is this a vegetable garden or are you doesn't it doesn't say so let's let's assume it it's a vegetable garden and there's a lot of shade around it i'll let helen take the vegetable garden uh if there is a lot of shade there's not a lot you can right. grow in the way mm -hmm. of vegetables your best bet might be something like some lettuces in uh and uh <laughs> i just maybe you might there's just not you're, you're going to have to have some direct yes. sun during mm -hmm. the day somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can't grow them in your garden, if you've got a spot on your patio, put some nice things in a big tub and, and set them out on your patio where there's more light mm -hmm. or maybe on the front mm -hmm. stoop. I don't know. <laughs> so, so what other plants might you suggest for a shady oh, there's area? A whole, there's a whole world of, of shade mm -hmm. plants. Uh, Don can mention the shrubs and things and that would grow in. But, uh, There's a lot of, uh, a lot of even annuals and perennials now that yes. will grow in shade as well as the, the shrubs, the, the hollies, the boxwoods, and, and things like that uh, that, will, that need shade, actually. Some plants uh, and a lot of the perennials even need mm -hmm. shade. Yes, there's the, there's, uh, I've got a big patch of bluebells that grow wonderfully in the shade. Mm -hmm. uh, got, got some. Uh, they kind of grow wild, do they? Well, <laughs> it's a wild flower, but they just really show off mm -hmm. when the time comes, you know. And ferns of all kinds, or almost all kinds. Uh, I have some. Um, um, Yes, my mind is a blank. Uh, <laughs> columbines that do fairly well if it's not real heavy shade. They, they don't like heavy shade. Mm -hmm. uh, your best bet would be just to go to the uh, garden center or wherever you like to look for plants and tell them you want to see some shade plants. Mm -hmm. Coral bells will grow in part shade. Um, um, Other shrubs to consider are the azaleas and rhododendron. They have to have 
at least partial shade to, to do well. Mm-hmm. All right. So thank you very much for that question. And we've got a phone call now. Let's go to Mark from Bloomington. Mark? Uh, yes. I have some thornless uh, blackberries, and they're about two, maybe two years old, and uh, they've gotten growing up and pretty leggy. And I wondered when is the best time to prune them and maybe some tips on pruning. Well, I think if you're renewing, and I couldn't swear to this, but I think if you're renewing that you should um, cut them right after harvest. In other words, right. if, if you have a crop and they quit bearing, there should be some young growth coming at that time that you'd leave, but you t- could take out some of the old canes that have borne. Now, I know with raspberries, after they bear, you want to take all the old canes out unless they're ever bearing red raspberries. Uh, and um, I know that blackberries can get really big and heavy, and uh, the young growth will replace the old in a season's time, usually. So right. I, would, I would wait until after a harvest and, but any time of year that you have a dead or diseased brine, uh, branch in there, cut it out immediately. Okay, thank you. Mark, how, let me ask you, how, how's your harvest been on those? Well, they're, they've been, there's not been a lot of them, but they've been nice big berries. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, they're, I think it takes a few years to really get a growth up enough to really produce. Mm-hmm. Don, I throw them, throw them in the wintertime to keep them from getting froze out. So. Yeah. Okay. If you'll keep listening, uh, I'll see if I can look up something on those. All right. Hey, thanks a lot for the call, Mark. All right. You're welcome. All right, 855-0811 in Bloomington. That's an 812 number and one 285 9348 outside the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat at WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Uh, before we take a, a short break and let, let some listeners uh, line up on the phones, we hope, uh, I want to ask you about the weather because, you know, it's, it, it was a different kind of winter this winter than we had last winter. Last winter was... Uh, very, very cold and and pretty severe, and this winter was pretty mild up until lately. Well, I was in Florida, so I don't know <laughs> I don't know how it was here, but it sounded like it was uh, we really had some drastic cold, but yet I don't see uh, much damage on the plants as uh, as I'm looking around at this point when it doesn't seem like. Uh, there evidently was enough moisture in the soil to keep the uh, the plants from damaging much this year. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we had some snow cover during some critical periods, too, which insulates right. uh, a lot of plants and protects people, them. People don't realize that the majority of winter damage on plants is actually dehydration. And so, like Helen said, if we have some snow or, or some moisture available to the plants, that certainly helps keep winter damage from occurring. Okay, well, we're, we're going to take a short break. Again, you're listening to uh, Noon Edition, our spring gardening show. Helen May and Don Adamson are here, as they frequently are for our gardening shows. Uh, if you want to give us a call, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. We'll be right back.
This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. And IU School of Public Health Bloomington. Online at publichealth.indiana.edu. WFIU News covers South Central Indiana and the state each day. You can read news throughout the day as it's posted on our website at wfiu.org. And you can pick up a digest of all the top stories. It's like a newspaper delivered to your inbox each afternoon. It's a free and easy way to stay on top of not only the headlines, but also the in-depth audio, video, and print news stories you can't get anywhere else. Subscribe right now at wfiu.org news. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times. Mary Catherine couldn't be with us today, and I'm sure she's very upset about that because this is our spring gardening show, and it's one of her favorite shows of the year. Uh, Joining me in the studio are Helen May from May's Greenhouse and Don Adamson from Bloomington Valley Nursery. If you have uh, questions or comments or you know, any, any uh, problems that you want to discuss with some gardening experts, give us a call at 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. Or you can also join a live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. And you can take advantage of Twitter by sending us questions at Noon Edition. We have a phone call from Susie in Bloomington. Susie, go ahead. Hey, um, my question is about hydrangeas. Um, I've planted them a few years back and every year it's sort of a crapshoot as to what color they're going to come up and how well they're going to do and I'm wondering if there's pruning that can still be done or should be done and what sort of soil they're looking for. There's so many different types of hydrangea anymore. Uh, There are many of them that uh, of all different colors but uh, you do not want to prune them at this point because because the the flowers will be coming out well again on there's a lot of different varieties i should say because annabelle or some or some of the uh, lime mound and such you can go ahead and prune the uh the dead branches off but uh all of the large leaf hydrangeas the blues and pinks you do not want to prune them because you will be cutting the flowers off. So, uh, okay. so. Can they, can they be grown in a patio on a patio in a pot? They they usually won't survive in a pot on the patio because okay. the roots just cannot take the cold of that. So, okay. uh, so they're not they're not good. A lot of people use them maybe as a summer plant on a patio, and you can do that, but it should be planted in the ground before winter comes, and mulch good, too. But All right. There are lots of neat hydrangeas, and uh, hydrangeas are a great, uh, some varieties are great to consider for partial shade situations. Also, a lot of the new endless summer varieties uh, do very well in in partial shade situations and bloom very well. I appreciate that. All right, Susie, thanks a lot for the call. Uh, I wanted to ask Don to expand on the mulching part a little bit because you've talked in here before about mulching and how some people kind of over-mulch. 
Well, hydrangeas are a plant that it's really important to, to mulch, especially the big leaf varieties, because what makes the difference in how well they flower is if there's mulch around them that keeps that stem alive down into the soil, you're going to come near getting flowers on those specific varieties. Now, I mentioned some of the others, the, uh, the Annabelle, the, the Lime Mound, and some of those, it doesn't matter. But, uh, but those big leaf uh, varieties, the ones some call the grandma. Uh, the mop heads. Yeah, the mop head <laughs> right. uh, hydrangeas and all that. You need to mulch uh, if, in order to keep the bottom part of that stem so that it doesn't get the coldest temperatures. Mm-hmm. And so mulching is really critical on some of the hydrangeas. Okay, good. Uh, uh, 855-8, I'm sorry, 812. I keep leaving out the, the area code now that we have to use it. 812-855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat, wfiu.org slash noon edition, or you can follow us on Twitter at noon edition. Helen, did you find anything? Yeah, uh, the black, the gentleman who called about blackberries, uh, let me quote here out of a book, with blackberries, cut out canes that have fruited and train new shoots onto the supporting framework. So uh, that's what you need to do when you've, when you've had an old, an old one that's born a heavy crop and, it, and you got a lot of new stuff coming from the base, Cut the old one out and let the new one fill the space. Mm-hmm. So, what other what other fruits are good to grow? Right? A lot of people grow strawberries and. Well, strawberries give you the most uh, return for the least mm-hmm. bother and expense to start <laughs> with. Blueberries are another nice uh, fruit for us to grow in this climate. Mm-hmm. They need acid soil, but you can also use them as an ornamental plant. They're a beautiful plant. And uh, and uh, easy to grow. Blueberries are and wonderful mm-hmm. red fall coloring. Oh yes, uh, mm-hmm. on the foliage. Mm-hmm. And the birds like them. You may need <laughs> to put some nets over or something during fruiting season. Mm-hmm. But they're easy to grow if you get the soil right. Mm-hmm. And it just needs lots of humus, and it needs to be acidic. Okay. And um, you can do that like you do your rhododendrons by getting you know making the soil acidic. Okay. Um, okay, we have another Twitter call. We're starting to get some phone calls, too. Uh, uh, the Twitter question, this is a very general question, so, uh, you know, you could probably talk for a long time on this. It says, if I've never gardened before, what's a good starting plant? What would you guys recommend if somebody wants to just start building a garden? Well, if, it's, if we're talking veggies, why, the thing everybody plants in Indiana is corn and tomatoes. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking uh, flowers, it'll depend a lot, or perennials or shrubs. It'll depend a lot on your light situation and so forth. And soil condition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, best idea is to go down and talk to somebody at a, right. at a lawn yeah. and garden and, center. And you know, whether it's maize look, or look at one you like. You like the else. way it looks, mm-hmm. and consider how big it's going to get if it's a shrub mm-hmm. or a tree or something. Right. Um, and uh, a lot of the bulb plants are very nice for a beginner because they're easy and uh, you get a, a immediate results the following spring. You know? what, so what's, what's, a, what, what's the most common mistake that you think beginners make when they, when they start? I mean, you're talking about size. I, I would think that might be an issue. They might plant things well, si- too close together and then... Size is a problem and often people plant the wrong plant 
in the wrong situation. That's like you said, Bob, you need to go talk to the people at the, the garden centers and, and find out what will grow in what situation because too often people just plant the wrong plant. They'll plant one that needs sun and shade. They'll plant one that needs a different kind of soil. So it's that's the critical thing is make sure you're planting the correct plant for the correct situation. Right. Or they'll plant a row of white pines under the telephone <laughs> lines or, right. you know. And then uh, what happens to you those? You need to think that. Well, they high? get 100 feet tall eventually. <laughs> <laughs> That's a problem. All right. So we have uh, the phones have been busy. So let's go first to Randall from Terre Haute. Randall? Yes. Um, my question is with gooseberries, I have the Pickwell gooseberry. Um, they bear beautiful gooseberries, but they basically kind of lose their leaves afterwards, and they don't look nice. Is there something that's going on I sh- that I should not be losing my leaves? Well, I'm not an expert on gooseberries, but I do know that uh, they can have uh, uh, little worms that will eat the leaves rather than the fruit, I believe. And also, uh, they're, I think they're subject to mildew, so you could, should consider that. Now, if the bushes are great, getting big and thick, you should open them up a little by cutting some of the old stuff out of the middle of the plant so that you get better air circulation and then you watch for the worms they're tiny and they're they're just green green and um, you can take care of those with uh, a number of things Um, if there aren't too many of them don't worry about it but usually if you have them you have a bunch but if were the leaves tattered like they've been eaten or did they just fall off they just seem like they kind of uh, turn after I pick them and they kind of fall off, and then the bush comes back next year looking mm-hmm. great and putting on berries. And they got good uh, sun and air circulation mm-hmm. around them. I mean, uh, that uh, doesn't seem to be an issue, mm-hmm. I don't think. And the center part, I mean, it's pretty wide. It's open. so that, Well, um, that's good. They do well. I'm just wondering if it, was, if it was natural for them to lose their leaves as much as mine do. Well, do they bear completely or uh, practically? Really, practically bear. Um, I don't know. I do know they can get mildew, which will cause the leaves to fall off. Oh. Yeah, but I never really mm-hmm. noticed mildew on them, and that's mm-hmm. what, you know I don't notice anything that stands out and says, "Look, this isn't a good thing." So yeah, where well, am I at with it? Uh, if the bushes remain thrifty otherwise it's not something you have to worry about immediately if you want better appearance do they relief later in the season or do they are they bare for the year they're bare after bearing they just drop everything they pretty much drop everything yeah. now i got a few little volunteer gooseberries and they stay green the whole time i mean they don't lose their leaves yeah like the, the ones that are bearing fruit well, but now are the fruit bearing a uh, hybrid variety or something like that? Because no. sometimes you'll get suckers that will that will hold their leaves. Well, the, the the ones that are holding their leaves have been planted by the birds. Yeah. Okay. This is a this this brand or uh, uh, whatever this uh, variety is Pickwell, which yeah, is a very but, common old gooseberry. Yes, uh, it's. Um, 
blueberries, a lot of blueberries are rather thorny, and uh, anything that lets them pick better is, is a valuable asset. Um, I suspect that you should take, at the time they start to show signs of wanting to drop, you should take some leaves to your favorite garden center or nursery, uh, and they probably can, or you could t- go to the library and get an ortho problem solver book okay. and look up the pictures, and they will list uh, common problems and right. solutions. Very good. Okay. All right, well, Randall. Thank you. Okay, thanks a lot for the call. Uh, we have we have another fruit question that came in on on Twitter regarding fruit. How about container gardening for citrus fruit? It's possible. It's possible. My niece raised one from se- an orange from seed and harvested oranges off of it. So, <laughs> um, you still have to. They of course will not grow outside. You have to watch your temperatures, and it takes takes quite a while to to develop fruit. But they they are an attractive tree mm-hmm. as a. Uh, as an indoor plant. When you say quite a while? Well, if you're starting from seed, Uh it's going to be quite a while. Like how many years? uh, years, 10, 12 years maybe. But but you can buy several varieties of of, uh, small oranges, kumquats, Mm -hmm. limes, and lemons uh, at greenhouses very often. We generally have some kind at the greenhouse. And... um, those, uh, if they're grown properly, and what you want to do is not keep them too wet. Let them get dry between every watering, and um, they need as much sun as possible. They can't stand frost, but they don't mind fairly cool temperatures part of the year. Uh, if you summer them outside the pots, then you need to check very carefully for insects when they come in because uh, they can get have real problems with uh, uh, mealybugs and scale. Uh, but it is possible. Um, the little kumquats are kind of nice. You just pop them in your mouth and eat the whole thing, <laughs> skin and all. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks a lot for that for that question uh, on Twitter. Now let's go back to the phones, and we have Doreen from Bloomington. Doreen? Hi. Um, I love your show. I love uh this show all the time. Uh, I have two questions. One, when is the best time to rake your leaves? And two, I have a lot of large containers. Um, how would you recommend to, like, winterize them? <clears throat> now, uh, rake what? Just raking leaves? Yeah, you need to get... Yeah, when is the ideal time to rake leaves? Is it, is it too early to rake the leaves? No. All around your plants, I guess I need to tell you that. You need, you need to go ahead and get those off as soon as you can, really. From uh, Some people leave leaves around their plants to help protect them from the winter, which is good, like we talked about the hydrangea and such as that. But you need to go ahead and remove those at this time even though it's, you know, we're having some cold nights. Okay, so you don't need to worry about that. I kind of worry about that when it freezes. So is there an opera? When is, like, the first time you should go ahead and start raking leaves? The beginning of March? Well, it's, this year is one of those that's very unusual. And, uh, I mean, normally by now people have them off, but this year... With the cold weather, it has been very protecting 
of some of the plants and has been a good idea to leave it on. But um, hopefully the, our season is getting to where it's going to stay warmer and, uh, and you can get them off. Now, like the daffodils and such, uh, the plants will not be hurt by these uh, cold nights, but the flowers may, may get zapped with the, the cold nights like they're forecasting tonight. Uh, that's true. The, the, you kind of have to go with the weather. If you notice buds swelling on things and, uh, you know, beginning to look a little fresh and like they might be wanting to get ready to grow, or if you notice your, some of your perennials trying to poke through those leaves, it's time to, uh, to break them open and, and uh, get it so they can get some light and air. And uh, I, I noticed in my own garden that the hellebores, which bloom at this time of year, are sending up shoots under the where the leaves are heavy and a few of them rotting so i'm breaking those up and getting those raked off it pays you and if they're if it's a hardy thing like a bush a woody thing it doesn't matter take them when you want to but if you've got little stuff growing under there then you need to check on it but like she said some of the little flowers will rot if you leave it on too long Mm -hmm. okay sounds like you have a weekend job doreen (laughs) Well, yeah. Hopefully it's going to hopefully it's going to be warmer. All right. All right, any other questions? Well, I did want to know what would be I I like to put like um hedges and shrubs in large planters. And um I just wanted to know what would be a good way it would, would it be good to insulate the bottom to kind of say most of the time they they'll stay, but sometimes it'll be too cold. You mean to survive the winter in the planters? Yeah, right. Because I don't recommend most flowers like that in planters, nor shrubs, because the root temperatures will do them in quite often. Mm-hmm. The temperature fluctuates very fast sometimes and uh, can damage it. Also, they dry out faster than you would think. Um, oh, the planters. You might, uh, if they're not tremendously big pots and the bigger the pot the more likely they are to live uh yeah yeah they're they're big pots well uh then about all you can do is check in 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 thawed weather and make sure they're not bone dry and don't Mm -hmm. water them unless they are thawed uh but you can also wrap them if it's not too ugly in uh, like bubble wrap or something and uh, oh, help, okay. help uh, even out the temperatures a little bit. Cause All right. Well, thank you. Okay, Doreen. All right. We appreciate the call. If you have a question for us, we have about 10 minutes to go, 812-855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. You can also join the live chat at wfiu.org slash noon edition. Follow us on Twitter at noon edition. We'll try to get in as many questions as we can. Let's go back to the phones. Trevor from Bloomington is on the line. Trevor? Yes, hello. You hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, I have a good question. It follows on from what you're talking about, planting the right things in the right place. I've got a problem problem spot in my backyard where when it rains hard, there's a stream that flows through. It's kind of washing out the dirt, and right now it's full of coarse grasses it's under a clump of mulberries so it's in the shade i'm wondering what i could plant there to kind of stabilize the ground and to look decent instead of just the the crabgrass and stuff that's growing there now 
In the shade, uh, most of your vining ground covers like uh, myrtle and ivy, and some of those uh, will do better in the shade. It takes a little establishment time, but once they get established, the roots will be heavy enough that will hold the soil in place. But also it's important to put some mulch around them to help hold the soil to get them established. Will they stand being underwater, uh, you know, a few inches underwater several times during the summer and the winter? Yes, they will. Uh, okay. I was wondering about planting like sedge or bulrush or something. You don't but want to. You don't want to plant bulrushes. <laughs> okay. The sedges are still kind of fragile. <laughs> they they don't have heavy enough roots a lot of times. You could plant that with hostas. Hosta, okay. They'll, they'll make huge clumps, and they really root, and uh, they don't care if they stand in water occasionally. Okay, uh, I've but got some if, hostas I could split and put in that area. That's a very good suggestion. If you mulch those, though, mulch them with something that won't wash away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and the hostas don't want to be uh, have too much mulch because you get a slug problem. Okay. Uh, uh, but so you might use pebbles or something. Okay, so I could put some light stone in there around the hostas. That's yes. Okay. All right, Trevor. Thank, Thank you very much. All right, thanks for your call. Uh, we're going to go to Brown County next, and Jack. Jack? Hello. Hello, Jack. I do. I'm enjoying the program. I had a question. Uh, we brought a begonia and a geranium inside last fall. And they have bloomed all winter, and they're still looking very healthy. Uh, we've done a, we keep them well watered. Uh huh. And I I just wonder uh, when we should take them back outside again, or, or that they would survive again. But the the, the begonia is yellow, and yellow and red is beautiful all winter. Okay, well, it sounds like you've taken good care of them. Oh uh, yeah, you I need love the begonia. You need to wait until there's no danger of frost for either one because both of them would be damaged or even killed by frost. So what you should do is about, uh, say, Mother's Day or thereabouts, mm -hmm. uh, set them out on, if you've got a porch or something that's not too windy and yes. a little bit shaded, set them out uh, there for three. That's where we normally kept both of these. Oh, all right. And I was going to say you don't want to put them out in the hot sun immediately because they'll burn. Yeah. Uh, but they'll acclimate and on the porch. So just uh, when you think it's not going to frost, set them out. Okay. But I wait until then. One question uh -huh. about the leaves on the flowers. We have some balloon flowers uh, that come up every year. Uh, and uh, I just wonder if we should hold off yet on uh, taking leaves off of the, where they are. Well, I know they come up quite late, yes. and I want to congratulate you because mine always die after about the third year. I don't know why. Well, <laughs> my one daughter is very jealous. That daughter <laughs> <laughs> keeps coming up. <laughs> well, they're wonderful flowers. Oh, yeah. Um, what my you should do... Was, pardon? I was going to say, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but oh. what, the, what you should do is kind of poke around, and I know they come up quite late. Yes. So uh, probably if they aren't through the ground yet, you could go ahead and remove leaves if you want because they'll go ahead and come up at the proper time. Oh. Yes. Okay. 
if they're already up under the leaves and look kind of yellow and so forth, you just kind of pull those back and leave them a little bit of protection for a while till they green up. Okay, okay. Thank you very much. I always enjoy your program. All right, Jack. Thanks a lot for the call. Eight one two eight five five zero eight one one in Bloomington or one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight outside of Bloomington and the live chat wfiu.org slash noon edition or at noon edition on Twitter. We've got just five or six minutes to go in the program. We're going to go back to a Twitter question. Took us this long to get to deer. Uh, how tall does a fence have to be to keep the deer out? At least eight feet. Eight feet? Okay. That's been my experience. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so you can't just put a four or five foot fence around and hope that the deer is gonna, are going to stay. No, because they'll just pop over it. And, you They're know, very, very athletic. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, I wanted to ask you, we've got some more Twitter questions that, that are are being typed right now as we, okay. sp- as, we speak. as we speak. Right. Uh, but I wanted to ask just about, uh, Helen, I don't know if I've ever asked you about you know, your favorite plants. What do, you, what do you like to grow in your garden, in your, your flower garden? Oh, when they're blooming, I absolutely love all kinds of iris. Mm-hmm. In between, the bearded iris are kind of lackluster. <laughs> I'm not mad about those. Uh, uh, peonies mm-hmm. I enjoy, especially oriental peonies, and they are easy to grow in this climate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a great lover of big bouquets of zinnias and that sort of thing to bring in the house. Um, Lilacs are marvelous, uh, not as easy to grow as some people think, mm-hmm. <laughs> or not for me. <laughs> uh, almost any kind of flowers appeal to me, especially if they're blue. Mm-hmm. Now, peonies are, a, they're, are, these are all perennials, right? That, yes, right. Those, those are perennials, except for the zinnias. The zinnias, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Okay, Don, how about you? Do you? Well, some of my favorites, first of all, I live in a woods and I have to be careful of the plants we have, but I like all the different kinds of holly. I know uh, we have, there are several different kinds, some, some evergreen, some are deciduous, and I particularly like the winter red holly, which drops all of its leaves in the winter, but it's loaded with berries. And the berries hang on in the winter. That's mm-hmm. some of my favorite plants are the hollies. Uh-huh. Okay. So let me see if we can get to these Twitter questions. Yeah. There we go. Um, so, yeah, I think we've got to most of these. Okay. Yeah. So we have all, all the Twitter questions. So let me, let me ask you another uh, question just about Indiana plants. What about native, you know, native Indiana plants? Are there what, – what are some of the ones that are the most popular? I don't know what are most popular, but I know some are very nice, very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don, you would know more about. Well, some too. of the, uh, I guess I'm not a person that's that's really stuck on native plants. Uh-huh. I, f- I feel that a lot of the hybrids developed are superior plants to uh-huh. the natives, and so I'm not a person that's uh, that's really uh, stuck on native plants that much. Mm-hmm. I like I like the newer plants. The newer plants, right? Okay. The, and there's so many nice new hybrid varieties of, of plants out that uh, I I feel are superior even to our native plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people feel that the native plants are uh, more durable. Sometimes they are, but many of the hybrid varieties are 
are equally as durable anymore. They've, mm-hmm. they've developed a lot of, a wide variety of plants that, that are quite durable for our situation. Okay, Helen? Two native things I like are, believe it or not, goldenrod. Mm-hmm. I like the varieties that are clump forming instead of running and that are, get about 12, 20 inches tall, 15 inches tall, somewhere in there, because nothing bothers them. Mm-hmm. They seem to be proof mm-hmm. against everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I love a, a shrub called spice bush, mm-hmm. which, while not dramatically gorgeous, is a native shrub. Uh, it needs at least some shade, usually, and it has a tiny yellow bloom very early in the spring when nothing else is uh, out, and it produces a red, little red berry, which is native, so it doesn't matter if the birds spread it, and uh, the birds like it. They, they clean, them, clean them up pretty fast. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, we are out of time. I want to thank you both, uh, Donna Adamson and Helen May. It's always great to have you in in the show. It's always a very busy show. For producers uh, Lacey Scarmana and Alexander McCall, engineer Mike Pashkash, and my co-host Mary Catherine, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net. And from School of Public Health Bloomington, Public Health Reimagined addressing 21st century health challenges with a multidisciplinary approach to disease prevention, health promotion, and enhancing quality of life. publichealth.indiana.edu.